called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. It's a serious question. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. You're listening to Just Ask the Question, adventures in reporting with your host, Brian Karam. So welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And this morning we have the pleasure of sitting down with John Bennett, one of the uh, White House... I, I love when I get introduced. White House pool report. It's like we're in the wet end of the. <laughs> but with with uh, CQ roll call, and so um, you're one of the guys. That, and the, the reason why it's interesting for me, John, is because you know we all sit down in that basement. It's hard to get you know the TV people. The radio people, they, they, they all can't talk. You and I are about the only two left that can. So. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. uh, it, it is a, as we talk about every day, it's, it's a roller coaster. Um, I've often compared covering uh, this president in this White House. It's like a NASCAR race in the, in the old days before all the rules for safety. Um, <laughs> and it's a super speedway race. And, you know, it's four wide, it's three wide, it's back and forth, it's four lead changes in a lap, and, and then they're on the back stretch, and there's a huge crash, uh, huge crash. But now instead of, like, freeze the field, everyone slow down, they used to race all the way back. And sometimes you get this at the end of the race. So Fridays feel like that very thing, that last lap yeah. crash, and they're coming back. They're not going to stop and, and do all this, uh, this new stuff they do. Yellow Partly. flag, they don't right. know. So they're, they're just, don't they're in just flag. racing back to the yellow for the win, and then before they can get back to the stripe, there's another crash. <laughs> and But then, somehow, on Friday evening, we make it to the stripe, and it just stops. And, yeah, and... And, and, <laughs> and it's very... It can, it's very disorienting sometimes. Well, it's... I, I don't feel like... Well... You know, I say the, the podcast is just ask the question. So I was just going to ask a question. How weird is it? But you answered that. So I guess the other question, have, did you ever think in your lifetime you would live to see a despotic dictator from North Korea endorse our president's candidacy and they promote it? They promoted it. They thought about this, presumably, and then uh, Sarah Sanders, the press secretary, goes on uh, Meet the Press, which is, I believe, still the number one uh, Sunday morning political talk show, and is, you know, repeating the boss's notion and and saying that he agrees with Kim Jong Un that um, that uh, that Sleepy Joe Biden Joe. that that Joe Biden is you know a lo- what do you, he put it in the tweet low quality individual or low IQ, IQ individual. individual. Right. Again, this is Kim Jong-un, who he and his father have kept their people down, have starved their people, um, have killed their people. And the president of the United States is on Japanese soil. And oh, by the way, uh, the Japanese worry a lot about Kim Jong-un in North Korea and his missiles, his short range missiles, too, which the president also said, standing beside Prime Minister Abe on Japanese soil. That he personally doesn't worry about the short range. Business. Of course, he personally doesn't. He's in the United States. His real estate isn't in. <laughs> but something about that. And, yes. and two trusted colleagues told me to stop trying to make sense of this. And we all need that reminder. You know this. We all yeah. need this reminder from from our colleagues, each other in the basement. We remind each other: stop trying to make all this line up. The president 
for a few days and a, a week there was right with John Bolton in threatening war with Iran, partially because of short-range missiles. Over there, it's on small, bo small boats uh, that Iran and, and, and its proxies could use against you know, U.S. Navy ships, uh, allied ships, merchant ships, uh, right. But there's still, at the core of it, short-range Iranian missiles. Right. Uh, the president clearly doesn't like it, though he's walked a little back from his national security advisor. He's very hawkish on Iran. The president says he doesn't want war, but he's still very hawkish in his rhetoric from time to time against Iran. And he well, says it'd be very bad if they ever did anything with the short-range missiles. But over in North Korea, short-range missiles could be used theoretically on U.S. ships. We don't know all the launch capabilities that, that Kim or has. Or Guam or... Or Japan, or Japan, or South Korea, or, or South U.S. Korea. military personnel in South Korea or Japan. So again, short-range missiles kind of at the core of both things. One is okay for the president. The other, he's threatening to go to war uh, with a major player in the Middle East, which would just set off dominoes across that region. And we know, we already know how that plays out. But you and I both know that the reason why that is, is be, what lines up is not policy, uh -huh. personality. Uh -huh. he, he's got a bromance with Kim Jong-un. Mm -hmm. Because it's all about it's all about Trump getting a win. Yeah. And, and a smile and a pat on the back and, and some kind of justification for his existence. I feel like mm -hmm. if you just if, if you smile and, and say, I love you, Mr. President, he'll take it. I think so. I, <laughs> I say that and I, I say that objectively. I say that. As I, someone that's the only who, way yeah, to right. say it. Yeah. I say it as someone who has tried. Uh, I tried my damnedest as a one man bureau. Um, you don't have time to grab coffee with folks. You don't have time to do this like we've been trained to do it. So one way to cover someone like Trump, um, and I think it's worked pretty well for me, I tried to do a character study of the man himself and learn about you know his business life to the extent we can, some of his personal dealings. And that lines up with how he's acted as president. Right. So, you know, he, he just wants to do, he, he just wants to, and it's also about how Trump perceives others perceiving him. And so what he wants with North Korea, he just wants a deal. And whatever he's got to do to get there, fine, he'll do it. And if he's got to stand beside uh, Shinzo Abe on Japanese soil and break with him on a major concern of Shinzo Abe, he'll do it. If he wants that building, in Brooklyn, if he wants that development in Brooklyn, he'll do whatever he's got to do. He'll bulldoze his way until the contracts are signed and the ground is broken. I agree. That's and that's um, frightening. I think <clears throat> for people who sit, we sit real close to the to that table. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> we get to see him up close and personal, what others do not. And oftentimes, what I see is, and, and you know, you can correct me if. if if you see it differently, but those who sit farther away see something different than what we see. They do absolutely. And and for the, uh, I there was a comment made by someone, one of our colleagues the other day who said, you know, he'd gone to a lot of these rallies, and you and I went to the Montoursville, Pennsylvania rally, which was interesting. We'll get to that. But he said one of the things that people like about him is he'll come out and. To you know, for lack of better term, it was a quote that he used was, "They like Trump because he wears his balls on the outside of his pants." Right. I I was there yeah. when when, <laughs> when that, when that story way. was was told. 
you know, I picked a lot of that up in, in Williamsport and Montoursville, and even um, when I went down to the eastern part of the state uh, uh, last Tuesday in, uh, in Allentown and was talking to – that's a purple area. That's going to be a battleground. Heck, hell. Um, Pennsylvania's going to yeah, be a battleground. Lehigh County, where, where Allentown is, could decide the whole election, for all we know. It could come down to Pennsylvania – and, and what happens in Allentown, it could be that close. It looks like it will. I think you and I suspect it's going to be a lot closer than some of the experts uh, right I, now. I don't think the Democrats understand yet why he got elected. Right. And, but back to, the, back, back to the testicles on the outside of the pants story. <laughs> I talked to a gentleman, older gentleman, uh, before the rally started in Montoursville. And um, I asked him about the, the China tariffs because, you know, the, the governor there in, 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 in Pennsylvania, Senator Toomey, certainly no liberal, a Republican right. senator from Pennsylvania. Uh, they've talked very openly uh, in criticism of the, of the president's tariffs policy. They say that China's retaliatory tariffs are already hurting. It's already down to the consumer level. That, so by definition, that includes uh, manufacturers, that includes farmers. Um, and Toomey has a bill trying to limit a Republican president's powers to, to even enact tariffs. And when I talked to one gen this one gentleman at the rally, I asked about this, and he said he's willing to pay a little more right now because it's a sacrifice for my country, and President Trump is doing the right thing, and he's got to be tough. So then I asked if President Obama, and he had made clear earlier in our, dis in our little chat, he was no fan of Barack Obama. And I said, well, I know from my reporting at the end of the Obama administration, President Obama was very frustrated with the Chinese on trade, um, on some of the actions they were taking militarily uh, with some islands that are disputed uh, in the South China Sea. Um, I have some very uh, vulgar quotes from uh, President Obama in the Oval Office that, that his staff never walked us away from. Right. Um, and he said something to the extent of, I'm tired of these fuckers. And they, they didn't get as tough as this, nearly as tough, but they did do things at the end of the Obama administration. I pointed that out, and gentlemen acknowledged the point. And I said, if, Ob if President Obama had done this, same thing with the tariffs, would you be so supportive? <clears throat> would you be willing to pay more for six months, a year, two years, however long this goes? Because there's no end in sight. And he thought about it. Um, and he said, well... I think I would have, but I don't think Barack Obama would have done it the right way. And I think what President Trump is doing yeah. is right. And that's the sentiment that I picked up over and over. It's, the, it's how he sells. He's a salesman. Right. <clears throat> I, right. I would say, I <clears throat> <clears throat> say a con artist. But I knew <clears throat> where you were going with it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, what it's like for, for, you know, one of the big questions I get is, what is it like on a daily basis mm -hmm. covering this president? I get that too. And um, over and over again, it's hard. <laughs> I need to bring a group of us together and sit some people and go, this is what it's like. It's pure bedlam. But one issue in particular um, that I've tried to write about several times, I know you have, the Posse Comitatus Act. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get into this, aren't we? <laughs> You know, the Posse Comitatus Act keeps, for those who don't know, is a law that was passed, I think, 1889, mm -hmm. somewhere Something back like in, that, yeah. yeah. And, or, or maybe I got the numbers transposed, it was 1898, but, you know, it's in the 18-somethings. And um, it's to keep the U.S. government from using the military as a police force, which goes back, in, in our own country, which goes back to, you know, the revolution. I mean, right. we didn't want to have, you know, uh, uh, 
quartering soldiers, you know, uh, um, British soldiers. And so there, that sentiment is, is deep-seated in this country, and yet here we are using the military on the border. Mm -hmm. And there have been waivers, as you've noted and I've noted, but you have to go to Congress, get the waiver right. to do it. Right. And this president has never done that and submits that what he's doing is fine and legal and mm -hmm. proper. Mm -hmm. And I find that hard to believe since, and you could tell your story, <laughs> since they don't know what the Posse Comitatus Act is. I, I, <laughs> this, this all, it, takes, it takes me a little while to, to kind of steel myself to, to tell this story and to, to try to keep a straight face. I'm not going to look at you while I tell this story because we've told it so many times uh, in the basement and, 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 it's and true. over drinks a few times as well, uh, over several drinks. Yeah. Which we should have every day before we go into the White House, but that's another story. You might be on to something. This was uh, after the, the first time uh, President Trump had said that he was going to definitely send uh, U.S. military troops to the U.S.-Mexico border. Um, and this was kind of at the beginning of what we're still seeing, this uptick in attempted crossings, especially migrant families or at least folks claiming to be families with small children. And he had floated this and, and said this and tweeted this, but it was the first time that he said that, that the order had been given. Can I interrupt for just a second? Because here's, you know, you remember, <laughs> they didn't have those numbers. Those He was proposing that there was oh, an emergency right. on the border, mm -hmm. and I asked him at a news conference about, and that's where he told me to sit down, and then suddenly the numbers go up afterwards. Mm -hmm. I've always suspected that they're cooking the books, but that's another. We may find that out, and reporting yeah. will bring that out. If so, I, I have full confidence in that. But even if they had the numbers, I've always, and I've questioned them and never gotten a straight answer, if you had these numbers, and now you do see even Democratic lawmakers, forget right. voters, the polls have shifted. Like voters, more Democratic voters today by 20% think there's a crisis because of this very uptick. But they didn't trot the numbers out. They, they until, never had them. Until like six to eight months into it. They, they now have them. And but why they, didn't, but this, this is part of why it's so hard to cover this White House. Usually, press secretary tells a deputy press secretary, call someone at DHS right. who calls someone at ICE who call, and then the phone tree goes back, and they get the numbers. They come out for a briefing in the briefing room, maybe with a chart on the screens over and the press some background information. And an expert from <laughs> yeah. ICE or somewhere. And they walk, they walk reporters through the numbers. We write our stories. People go on the air and, and talk about it. Not this one. Not this one. And we kept asking, why, why, why? And, oh, and they just kept saying uptick, increase, crisis. And by the way, even if you take them at the, they're saying these are the worst since 2009. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a very bad time. Right. The, the, the right. bad time was in the 80s when I was down there. There were four times the number. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so now they're just saying, you know, well, it's worse since 2009. Right. It's like saying it's, it's a partly cloudy day and we're used to sunny. I, and but. once they got the numbers, I mean, that's the reason <clears throat> they, did, they never put the numbers out there until they just had to because of what you're saying. Yeah, it's an uptick, but, you know, 10, it, deal. 10 is an uptick from six. Yeah. And, and, and it was a lot worse, like you said, in the 80s. Yeah. Um, so, but so, go, going so back to your story. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so he <laughs> says he's doing this. Sing Hakuna Matata <laughs> for me. <laughs> oh, my. We'll get to that. Yeah. That's and um, uh, so Trump says in one of these impromptu pool sprays in the Oval Office that he has given the order and he's sending, I, it might have been 5,000, 3,500, yeah. something like Thir that. Yeah. Um, the number escapes me, but it, that doesn't matter because if you're going to send one, if you're going to send 5,000, the Posse Comitatus Act is is in your way, but 
with ways around it. Like you said, got to go to Congress, get a waiver. Obama did it. Right. Reagan did it. Yep. Uh, and I believe the younger Bush did it. I think, yeah. And, and Clinton might have done it. So you just have to go get it. And if you have the facts on your side, Congress is not going to stand in the way of a president. No. They, they may want to have a hearing. There may be backs and forth. They may have to come over and, and sit down in the Oval or sit down in the Situation Room and get a briefing. Uh, but you can get the waiver. Right. And this, this is the point that you and I and other reporters were making all afternoon after he said this. I think this was late morning he said this. And we were, we were um, educating senior White House officials on the, what the Posse Comitatus Act was, and not just what it was, that it even existed. They didn't know. They didn't know. No, and, and I remember having someone who shall remain in his who says, <laughs> who said, uh, what is that, like a rule or kind of a guideline? And mm -hmm. I go, no, no, it's a, it's a law. <laughs> it's a law. Um, I, had, I pulled it up on my phone and was in that same individual's office and was reading it to this individual who was taking some of it in, um, not all of it, and I then asked, okay, has there been, have there been two things? One, a legal review to see if he doesn't need the waiver. And legal reviews happen all the time in the right. federal government. Uh, White House has asked for them all the time. Uh, you know, uh, this is what agencies do. They study things like this. That's why they have teams of lawyers. <laughs> that's, that's right. right? And number that's how two, government works. Right. And number two, had maybe even the president himself, maybe the vice president, maybe the chief of staff at the time, John Kelly, retired Marine Corps general, was a Marine Corps legislative liaison, knows how it works, picked up the phone and, and at the time called Mitch McConnell, Republican Senate Majority Leader, called at the time Speaker Paul Ryan, Republican Leader of the House, and had two conversations, let them call their chairs, let them get the approved, let them, let them work Carry it. the water. Let them carry the water. Right. They had not even done that. I pinged McConnell's people. I pinged Ryan's people. And they said, John, the first we learned of this was when you learned of it, when the president said it. And <laughs> they then, learned about it after we did. <laughs> and then we went and told our bosses. Yeah. So they learned about it from staff. Ryan and McConnell uh, learned about it from staff. I'm explaining right. this. Um, you know, they're short-staffed at the White House even more now. They were then. This was a year ago. Yeah, this they're was extreme, over a year yeah, ago. Yeah. And um, this individual was running to a meeting, notebook in hand, um, you know, sleeves rolled up, just a mile a minute, and he said, and I'm pressing him, like, I need something on this. You know, Get back to you on that. Well, that was the first one, and I said, no, my editors are pressing, and they're right to press on this because this is the whole ball game on this, so I need something. And he said, okay, I'll get you something on that Hakuma Matata thing. And there's a sliding door. At the, there are two press offices. We call this one lower press. Right. Um, you, go up, you go up two up the stairs. stairs. There's a sliding door. You go to the right. You go to upper press and, and the west wing. You go to the left. You're in the Rose Guard. As the door starts to slide, auto, automatic door sliding closed behind him, my jaw, Brian, was on the floor. And I... I repeated it, and he was like, "Yep." I don't think a he was he was taking he was not taking it seriously enough, and b he still had no idea. He didn't know what it was. He didn't, still didn't know <clears throat> what it was. I remember you turned because that's when I walked in, and you turned to the. I had, <laughs> yes, I had turned to one of the junior press assistants, who was o overhearing all of this, who clearly had a better grasp I'm of what I was saying than this 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 senior <laughs> senior-ish White House official. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I turned to her and said, is that the song from... <laughs> yeah, the Lion King the or Lion... whatever, whatever it and was. And I, I couldn't place it. I knew it was one of those <laughs> yeah. Disney animated. Is that the, that's the song from... And she finished. She said, yeah, The Lion King. And I was like, was he serious? And she was like, unfortunately, I, I, I think he was. Unfo <laughs> unfortunately, I don't think he knows what you're talking about. I was like, you do. And she was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, yeah. She's like, I remember that from you know a class in college or something. And then and you happened to be there, and you were like, "What is going on?" I was laughing, and you were you were already rolling before I told you the specifics. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I said posse comitatus, you said I asked about that earlier, and he had no idea. Right. And as you I tried say to say who it was, <laughs> well, as I, <laughs> as I tried to, then I talked to other staff. You know, it's one of these, like, you know, desperate reporter moments where you just need to drop a sentence, maybe two sentences in your story, and to say, to say that they... Context. Right. It, it, these things need context. I feel like they just fly by the seat of their pants yep. on every issue, and it's what he feels like at the moment. It is. And then, yeah, and then the communication staff tries desperately, mm -hmm. or as Bill Shine said, and I, I, I don't have a problem saying that because he said it to a room full of people, he goes, you give us too much credit. You know, right. that, he, he told, <laughs> when he was there, he told me the same. Yeah. I asked um, if something was coordinated. Uh, there was a tweet and then a policy thing. Um, and I forget the specifics because there's so many every day. But he, he stopped me and he said, John, you're giving us way too much credit. Right. If you think we could have pulled that off. And it was another one of these moments. And this is something. And that was an insight to me when right. he first said that. Yes. I was like, yes, you realize now just how, comple it, how completely chaotic it is and how there needs to be an adult in a room cleaning up after the, mm -hmm. you know, the elephant mm -hmm. behind him, mm -hmm. which is what Bill said is basically his job was but I don't feel like they have I just wish they wouldn't lie to us a that that bothers me a yeah lot. that bothers all of us and you know that is it's, and, and hard. it's unnecessary it's unnecessary and it, it makes it hard to, to take do the job it makes it hard to take them seriously you know when they are telling the truth it they, they shoot themselves in the foot well, and part that. of it is, you know, he shoots them too. The president, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, those, I watched him one day set up an entire, tried to set up a day worth of strategy, uh -huh. only to have it undermined by a tweet. Over and over. How many times? And I feel for him in that regard. Yeah, I feel for the staff too. I mean, how many times have I written the story that that the president or the White House stepped on its own narrative or its own attempted narrative? I've, I've several times that, I've written that story 20 times I in one day <laughs> <laughs> there was a while there where you could write that every, every day, day. You know, it got it and it did get more disciplined. Hey, it's infrastructure week here at the White House again. well about that <laughs> not so much it may it may be again by the end of the day and that's you never know you never know you know I don't know how much Bill brought a little discipline I thought I thought General Kelly brought some discipline too I thought the the two of them in different ways Hell, and I think there are some legacy things that they put processes in. And they, didn't, I, I, they had no processes at the beginning. Go back to the Mooch. Anthony Scarmucci right. had a yep. nice yep. communications plan. He did. he did. And that, <laughs> he lasted 11 days. Don't say 10 because the Mooch will get upset. It was 11. <laughs> <laughs> An official Scarmucci is 11 days. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so there, there have been remnants and, and pieces of things that uh, – that officials who are no longer there have, have left in place. And, and then, you know, Mick Mulvaney's left some things in place. Sarah's left some things in place that, that Bill Shine did. Um, 
it is not as nice if they left the briefing in place (laughs) well we can get to that yeah let's talk a little bit about okay i I do want to tell everybody if you're listening in we are at the saint regis hotel which is the clinking of the glasses and everything come join us we'll have coffee (laughs) but yeah let's talk about that no briefing two only two this year and the pentagon hasn't done one in what uh nine ten months i believe that's right and you you covered the pentagon Mm -hmm. for a while Mm -hmm. long time how why do we need briefings? We need briefings to answer or to try to get answers um, on, on all kinds of things. We need the briefings to, to show the public that you know, there's a mechanism to hold these people accountable. These are elected officials. Um, you know, they're spending billions, trillions even, in taxpayer money. Um, and we need to be able to turn the cameras on and ask the president himself or ask one of his But he's the most transparent president you've ever met. Keep hearing that. <laughs> Keep hearing that. And in some <laughs> regards, I believe that. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen anybody. Honest is different. Yeah. Informative is different. Transparent, sure. you can see an ugly guy through a clear glass, plate <laughs> glass window as good as you can see an honest We person. hear from this president a lot. Uh, we get we get more opportunities to ask this president questions as chaotic as it is when we do. Uh, certainly, I, I, I would go out on a limb here without you know, doing a study than President Obama. Oh, I, yeah. President Obama was not answering eight questions three times a week just in the Oval Office or the Roosevelt Room or, or the Cabinet Room, and then also um, having a 23-minute uh, rapid-fire Q&A on the South Lawn. That was not happening. So as far as... But he did go to the briefing room. And he we have had no room. briefing. Does, and he would stay. He would yeah. stay for, for an oh, hour, wow. hour and a half. Yeah. I, I sat through. Yeah, I, I sat through a few I shouldn't of those. say sat through. I covered some I, of those. I stood through room. those. <laughs> I, I didn't sit. I was the guy I, standing. Right, right you were. Um, I sat, I, sat uh, I, I covered a lot of those in the room. And President Obama took a lot of questions. Um, uh, but President Trump, you know, it's more incremental, the access we have to him. and um, But more and, substantive, and, I would say. Because the, one of the problems, and the reason why I like briefings. Now, this being said, they like to say that they cut off the briefings because, and they, you know, me, Jim Acosta, April Ryan, a few others got mm-hmm. blamed for ending the briefings because we wanted to make stars of ourselves. Right. But I always say that what they've really done is they want to turn the, the focus from them to us. And we just work there. I, as I said when I first got into any one of us are replaceable. Absolutely. Just judge <laughs> I mean, you know, we could be gone. Nobody would care. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Just answer the question. What's important is the question. And they don't want to answer those questions. Right. They don't want to. It, it's important for us to ask questions that they don't want to answer. Right. That natural tension, it's right there in the Constitution. Freedom of the press. Uh, and, and that the founders thought that was important, that elected officials uh, and their chosen spokespeople and, and, right. and, and uh, policy folks be asked questions. Uh, we're so, you know, on, on our best days, we are representatives of the people. Sometimes on we, our worst days, we're the representative uh, of the people. Uh, sometimes, too. you know, I, I will, I will admit that sometimes we fail to. That's a, that's, a, that's an important bar. It's a high bar. Sometimes we fail to meet it, and we should be criticized when we do. And sometimes right. we collectively, when we have briefings, um, uh, we, 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 we don't act as a unit sometimes. And, it's, and hard I think, to, and it's, it's hard it's, to. It, we're competitive. People say right. that we we should hold hands and you know sing kumbaya and we protest. We can't do that. That ain't gonna happen. I'm working on a different story yeah, than you. you that are, day. and and it's hard to follow each other up too. That one of the things we get it is, is why don't you follow each other up? Well, 
That would be easy if we had mm -hmm. but one or two issues. Right. But with this president in particular so on many. any given day, there's, so many. there's, there's a, I have 13 or 14 questions a day that go unanswered. I know I, you do. I, your notebook, yeah. you're always scribbling <laughs> yeah. down questions that went unanswered. But let me, let me take your listeners into um, what we call a pool spray. Yeah. Um, uh, this happened a few weeks ago. I was the print pooler, and uh, we are literally standing on the colonnade, uh, Rose Gardens to our left, uh, Oval Office is ahead of us and to the right, and, and the reporters are literally workshopping questions and trying to eliminate lesser ones because we must have brought up 15 or 16 just topics, and every topic has three or four questions. Uh, right. So, so you're just trying to get an, an initial one or two that we know we're going to ask between all of us. But then that what this allows them to do, the way they're doing this with, with the pool sprays, with you know, Trump calling on people, and then outside they're doing you know, Sarah Sanders or, or John Bolton or, or Hogan Gidley or Kellyanne Conway will go out and do a television hit. On their way back in, they'll stop for 6 to 16 minutes if it's Kellyanne, maybe 36 but it, it allows them to... Just so we can watch her dance. <laughs> that's your thing. That's not yeah, my that's thing. <laughs> um, Come on, Kellyanne, dance. It allows them, because it's so chaotic, they play us off each other. Yes. Because we know President Trump can cut these things off at any time. I've seen him. I have stood in the Oval Office or, or somewhere else in the White House during a pool duty and watched him go from chatty to agitated to angry and just abruptly thank and then back you, to thank, again. thank you, see you guys later, and, and, and dismiss us. Right, and he's after dismissing you, he's even come back and answered sure. uh, and gotten sure. chatty again. Sure, but <clears throat> it, it allows them more control on when these things end. That's exactly right. And, and that's part of what it's about because, like you said, they don't want to answer certain questions. They, they don't even want to be asked certain questions. And we haven't even gotten into all the reasons why the <laughs> staff doesn't want to be, answer all the questions. But it... It all goes back to Trump, and he doesn't want to see, um, uh, you know, he doesn't want to see this footage played over and over again on cable television all day. Just if you or me or Jim or April or, or uh, Peter Alexander, Steve know, Portnoy, there's right. a lot of good people down there, absolute. and then For and they're pros. all yeah. absolute pros, and they are asking. And I will, you know, I'll say this. Everybody goes, well, what about Fox News? Look, I'll defend John Roberts and I'll defend Fox News. They're news people. Mm -hmm. I'll defend everybody at Breitbart. I'll defend every reporter I've seen sure. down there. Sure. E even the ones who are running, the, you know, the guy running the blog. I'll defend them because they're asking questions. That's, and that's their job. Our job you may is not to think, like right. them. You may not like the way they bathe. You may not like their voice. You may not like their breath mints. But they got a job to do, it, and I respect every. I, I, sure. I have a high respect for everybody who shows up on a given day to ask this, particularly this president, because it's very mind-numbing at times. I mean, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I I don't know about you, but there are times I get up and go, "Why am I going in there today?" <laughs> the stress level is certainly. Um, um, it can be off the charts. Uh, it, um, it it can be hard to, to come down at night. You know the the night of the. That's rally how they make alcohol for brother. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Um, you have to you you have to pace yourself with this president. You have to. Look but do you agree? Like, I mean, do you agree that we're just down there doing our job? Every oh, absolutely. One of them. Our yeah. job is to think critically. Of who and uh, of who and what we're covering, think critically about it, and ask the the best questions we can, to both inform and to hold people accountable. Uh, 
uh, hold hold those officials accountable all the way up to the president. Um, we're not, you know, they'll say that we're um, the we have agendas. Trump staff, we have agendas. We want airtime. Um, we're we're attacking them all the time unfairly. On their on their most agitated days, they'll say we're trying to take down a whole presidency. You know, Brian, I think I'm pretty good at my job, and my employer, God bless them, I think they think so too. I don't go in there every day thinking that I and me alone is going to take down. It's not my job it's description. Take down the president, right? <laughs> no, that, that's. I'm not getting paid for that. That's not how any of us approach the job. No. Um, now, whether they truly believe that that's how they they view us and, and our mindset. I have a guy. Uh, I go back and forth. Yeah, I have a well. I have a guy who's a good source who's over in the RNC, and he went over to the <clears throat> administration. He goes, Brian, when I first went over there, you know, we got behind closed doors, and I thought it was a ruse. I thought it was, you know, all right, all right. Now, what do we really think? And he goes, No, they really do inside that bubble. Mm -hmm. The staffers believe that <clears throat> we're out to get the president. That we're the enemy, and that if we're, uh, you know, yeah. and I, I find that disheartening. Is I mean, to con just to compare and contrast, you were there for for Obama. I mean, Josh Ernest towards the end, always called him Josh Hartnett, but that <laughs> but Josh would hold a briefing. Sometimes that thing would last an hour, hour and a half, yeah. to where you know. No, he's like I got no more questions left, and, and he'd oh, be yes. going, "You go, know, anybody else? Okay, let's talk about this." I mean, you could. Oh yes. And and I remember those. Yeah, and the point was is no stone under. So we kind of get an idea of what really is going on with this sure. administration. Sure. You don't. Right. It's that simple. But we do know, and they think we're the enemy. That's why. Right, right, right. But we we do know one thing at this point, and and you alluded to it earlier. This, this, the whole operation is very much on a whim, and it comes back to how the president is feeling within any given minute. And I have, I have talked to staff. Sometimes you're lucky enough to bump into people outside uh, grabbing a coffee or lunch, or, or sometimes on the weekend I've been lucky enough around town to, to bump into people. And they always or, have that look on their face, don't they? They do. They do. Well, we do too. Yeah. <laughs> or they'll close the door. I had a, a situation last week. I was coming back from Pennsylvania. Uh, a colleague had pinch hit when the president walked out of an infrastructure meeting with uh, with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and other Democrats. Um, and then an impromptu press conference, which you you were at. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't make it back in time for that. But my colleague got to see the chaos. And I had I had just. Uh, to help her through the process of getting cleared and, and getting in for the day. Uh, the, the day before, I just jotted down some bullet points in an email and said, okay, if all hell starts to break loose, just follow the pack. Especially like the, the Bloomberg folks, their right. booth is right beside our desk in the basement. I said, follow the Bloomberg reporter. Whoever comes tearing out of there with their notebook and their recorder and their jacket, just go, follow them. And she actually told me that that was the best advice. Better than the little spreadsheet yeah, you right. fill out with your, with your personal vitals and everything. She said, you know, she's used to being on Capitol Hill. It's, it's chaotic up there sometimes. And she said it was nothing. It was nothing like, you know, that 15 minutes when they said press to the palm room doors now. She didn't know right. what to do. She didn't know where the palm room doors were. Despite, <laughs> I, you know, try to explain all this stuff. But she said it was just. She was said, that the impromptu presidential yes. briefing that yes. was yes. going to be a question and answer, then yes. wasn't a question and answer? Right. 
Yeah, that and was. And she amazing. said it was absolute. And you know, Bedlam. she was recalling this to me and saying that she's like, I never knew it was quite like that. She said, now I know what you guys go through, and you nobody nobody knows what this is like. And I'm not. This isn't a viol, smallest violin moment. This is no, just. No. It's just a fact. No one quite knows what it's like day to day unless you're there day to day. Right. And it is. As my wife said, you don't know what it's like to give childbirth. <laughs> give birth to a child exactly. unless you've gone through childbirth. And that's sure. one thing I don't want to know. I wouldn't argue that. Nope, nope. You have no idea. You're right. I don't. Don't want to know. But then when he, meaning the president, when he insists on doing something like he did last Wednesday in the Rose Garden, the staff is. Even if they have some idea the night before he's going to do it, they're not an organized bunch. They did not know until, and I'll tell you that day was particularly for, <clears throat> to, to break your cherry on that one, <laughs> that was a tough day. Because mm -hmm. we were told, we didn't know what was going on. It's just, it, it happened on a whim. Pelosi and them were supposed to come in at noon. At 12.15 we were told, go to the palm room uh -huh. doors. We waited, uh, one of the handlers came out, and, and they said, okay, we're going to do, you know, pool this. And, and, and that's the other thing. People, we, I want to go through that, what we actually go through <laughs> to get in there, what that's like. It's like, and I'm always flying coach. I'm never first class. Same so here. I'm, I'm always, but you get in the pool sometimes. Yes. So that, yeah. well, yeah, I'm not, in, I, I don't get that business class or frequent that's, flyer. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm always in coach. So I have to fight my way to that's get in there. That's the only time that I have uh, any, any points to cash in yeah, is, is when it's my pool. <clears throat> so. I said, what are we gathered here for? You'll find out. I know we'll find out. We don't even know where we're going. We didn't know it was the Rose Garden. Yeah. We had no clue. And then when we got right. there. It could have been thought, the East Room. It, it could have been, been the South been the Lawn. South lawn. Right. Yeah. It, it could have been the Ellipse. Hell, I don't know. So <laughs> we, we, we don't know. With this president, you never know. I did just have an image of, since I wasn't there, I can laugh. Um, I have an image of you guys traipsing down the South Lawn to the Ellipse <laughs> on a hot day in your uh, business attire. Yes. Uh, and having not been there, I would have enjoyed watching that footage. <laughs> yeah, that would have been fun. And, and you, but you can't rule that out, that that may happen you can't, someday. That's what I'm saying. Right. You don't know. Right. We joke about it now. Yeah, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Because we're going to jinx ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I keep saying nothing would shock me anymore. No, nothing. They could bring... A, you know, a dancing bear in on a unicycle with a horn going, ur, 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 and that's your briefing. Anything and I would go, well, all right, that, there Anything's it is. Anything's possible. Any, so when we get out there, we thought there would be questions. There were no questions. Mm -hmm. It was just a statement. He had a, mm -hmm. he had a hundred people <clears throat> that were seated, and it, that was complete bedlam. And that was the day we may have we were supposed to have like four whacks at him, and we didn't get anything. Yeah, that was a different day. Oh, that was a, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking of a different. Uh, there was another day. See, they um, all run together they run now. Together. It's all one big day with, you know, these two-day breaks that we call a weekend, <laughs> which you're not, you know, it, it takes most of Saturday morning to recover and, and, right. and get your bearings and remember that you got to do all this, you know, real-life stuff. Um, and then Sunday you're dreading Monday, so you don't really get it. <laughs> but there are patterns. The, the, the second day you're talking about, the, the, which was chronologically the first day, um, you know, that was, um, I forget some of the specifics that day. Uh, I know um, there was talk of his oldest son uh, being in some legal hot water, uh, being called to testify again at the Senate Intelligence Committee, which, oh, by the way, is run That's by a Republican, right. uh, Richard Burr, from my home state of North Carolina. Um, go Mountaineers, App State. <laughs> and um, I had to get that one in. Yeah, there you and, go. Uh, <laughs> go Pack Go. I'll, I'll cheer for the go. Packers. There right? you go. Um, 
And so we were supposed to have, we knew we were, we, we, we were supposed to have three whacks at the president and maybe four if an early pool spray right. in the Oval Turned, had opened. Yeah. And he was leaving that afternoon. So his official day started a little sooner. There was a, a late morning pool spray. Um, president of Switzerland came in right, that day. Exactly. Um, but, and you, but there are patterns now, and these are patterns of the president's behavior and thought process. And there was some bad news. Uh, there was a little more bad news um, in that morning. And again, you, for, you forget the specifics because there's so many every day. But he clearly just didn't want to talk on a day where he usually would have, he would have talked multiple day, times. That was the day I asked him about Iran. Right. And the only, that, that, was, that was the only right. comment he made. I had a nine, you know, that's, we talk a little bit and we can talk a little bit about that. We talk about how we even ask questions mm -hmm. out on the South right. Lawn. I mean, it's not like in a, you know, there's some people that just take too long asking their questions and you do not have that luxury no. to explain or put in a context. So it has to be a question he will want to respond to, can respond to, and will respond to. And typically in a, in a situation... Ten so words or less. It's ten words or less. Uh, he likes uh, some of the accoutrements that come with the office. And fair enough, it's a hard job, no matter who's oh, doing it. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a hard job. Uh, so usually you want to start with Mr. President. Yes. So he, there's two words right there. He appreciates. Right. So <laughs> yeah. two words gone. You've burned yeah, yeah. two words. Mr. President. <laughs> and then the next word is is will or how or you know. So you yeah. got to get that one. So that's three words. Um, so then you've got about seven more words. Yeah. That's and, so I had asked, Mr. President, are we going to war? I even I thought about that for about two hours, by the way, when I was going to ask that question. Right. And I even thought about how to pronounce mm -hmm. Iran. Because I knew that the foreign press was there. Yeah. I said Iran just because I wanted him to think I was, oh, it's an American asking me the question. And then he looked up and he saw me and made that face that he always makes whenever he sees me. <laughs> this does seem to be a pattern. I was skeptical at first, but you're, I think you're on to something. Yeah, and then he, but then he said, I hope not. But, yes, we even workshop amongst ourselves, different outlets, all kinds well, of different Well, you and I have workshop yeah. like Rosenstein. When you and I, right. and who was it, Robin, or who was with us? Uh, it was uh, Jennifer Jacobs yeah, from Jen Bloomberg. Yeah, with Bloomberg. And we sat down and, and shopped around how we, what we were going to ask mm -hmm. uh, Rosenstein and how we were going to, and she was going to jump in front of it, right. and you and I were on the sides. <laughs> I was playing deep center field. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had D in. Right. <laughs> and she was playing middle linebacker. Right, right. So, I mean, that was... Um, I mean, but we do work together in that regard. We do. We do. Uh, as much as we can. Back to, the, to kind of the previous point about these, um, these, uh, these impromptu Q&As, both with the president and with his staff, there is uh, just because, you know, we're, we're working on different things. Um, you know, I may be working on a story about, because uh, of CQ Roll Call, um, you know, his troubles working with Congress or, or them trying to get together on something like infrastructure. Well, NBC may send out a reporter who, for a gaggle, who's working on a foreign policy story that day. So they're, we're not going to have the same question. Right, and you can And can't. they know that. Yes. They know that. So it allows them to not get, you know, you following up on my infrastructure question or me following up on Hallie Jackson's North Korea question. <clears throat> because right. Because that's just not where you are mentally that day. Well, and, and it's not where you can be. I mean, right. that's, people mistake, you know, we're, we're not a monolith. The press, mm -hmm. you know. We're, we're, they do think that, don't yeah, they? they yeah, they think we kind of get together. And, I mean, we do try to help each other out. We do follow each other up when it's appropriate. Sure. But 
I mean, and I've seen that among many people in that press room, but that's not how business is done. And I think Trump has changed the perception of what it is that we do. Yeah, yeah. Do you? I do, uh, not for the, uh, probably not for the, how should I put this? Um, it's not very, um, I don't think it's good for the country, the way he's changed the perception of what we do. I agree with that. Um, He's, he's definitely warped an understanding of what we do. Um, I think e- maybe even uh, on the other side, maybe not even amongst his supporters. I mean, this is um, – ratings may be up and, and revenue, ads, ad revenue may be up because people want to know about all the chaos. Um, but I don't know kind of what the business looks like post-Trump. And I'm not, I'm not yet predicting uh, publicly at least what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to be a tough out in 2020. He's a puncher, and a puncher always has a chance uh, to land a big one, and and he can certainly still do that. Oh, I think he'll get reelected at this point. I think yeah. that I think that I I mean from what I see, I still don't see the Democrats have their you know stuff together. Do you think it's um, you think it's more difficult now being a reporter than it was before Trump? You know, I may have a a, a bit of a different uh, perspective on this. You know, I didn't find it difficult on the ground in, in Montersville, Pennsylvania, in Williamsport, you know, down in Allentown, uh, even, you know, when I, I chatted with a few people when I stopped to, to get gas and, and uh, of course, coffee for a trip like that. A lot of <laughs> no one, I had a few people who just didn't want to talk, but no one was rude. No one made, uh, I got a couple snide remarks about the media. Um, but it was after there was a little comfort level after we chatted for a few minutes. So, you know, press freedoms definitely have been impinged or wiped out across the globe. And despite what the White House will tell you, I don't think there's any coincidence that some of that has happened given the president's rhetoric about the press. You know, he says um, he, he says he hates the media. He says he views us as the enemy. And then on a given God, day, he loves us, doesn't he? he loves us just loves us that's that's a secret yeah that i tell people who don't live here who who are wise enough to not follow this like we do so closely <laughs> he loves us that's why sometimes we'll get him three times in a day and he'll answer 33 questions yeah um that is access to the most powerful person in the world and that that it's a good thing but it comes with the other edge of that sword where he kind of controls it or he'll call on the same three people you know he says a lot of times that, um, that you know, in, in NBC and, and CNN are, are fake news and enemy of the people. And they're the worst. And the New York Times and the he Washington Post. He still calls on me, and though. that's who he calls on. I know. You really, have to, you really have to study what he, what he says and what he does. Well, you know, Sam Donaldson said something to me that I, I hadn't thought about, but I, it rings true to me. I, we were talking about the press conferences, and I go, Sam, I can't figure out why – he still calls on me. He goes because he likes to show you up to his supporters as see. There's the mean press. That's exactly right. It's all they love to fight. Yeah, I, I say this. You hear me. You hear me say this all the time. Sometimes they just want to fight. And reporter, you know, kind of. I'm your guy. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Kind of, I'm your guy. You Let's know, go. We all get busy and we all get stressed and we'll blurt out. Well, why did they do that? Or why did he do this? And me or someone else, and I always say it that way, that because they just wanted to fight, because they got up this morning, they're frustrated with this, they're frustrated with that, and the boss decided the only way out of it 
was to start a fight. And we're always there. Yeah. He can always start a fight with us. Yeah. <laughs> he can always go down to the bar and we're always at the other end and he can come over and throw his drink throw his us. Diet Coke in our face <laughs> and out we go. Yeah. And and it and I will you say You wanna this, go? You wanna go, man? We have to cover him. You so have if, to. If There's he, no way if, you can't. If he summons us, even if he's just gonna read a statement off the prompter, ad lib a little bit and go back in. We have to cover it. But and that's a criticism we get, by the way. Why mm-hmm. do you bother to cover him? Why do you listen to Sarah? He's the leader of the free world. You have to. You that's have, your that's job. job. <laughs> that's, how that's, I, yeah. that's how I pay my bills. Yeah, that's my right. job. And it's important. Yeah. And it's I, important. I don't get to make that. And I, and I think people, that's one of the things I think he's distorted is we don't get to make that call. We don't, no. you know, Sam said something else to me that rang so true is it's not a level playing field. You know, he's a president mm-hmm. and we're the press. Now, True. We it's asked like Sam quest- did this before. So. Yeah, he's like, maybe Sam knows what he's doing. <laughs> but, but, you know, we ask questions, they provide the answers. And so you're not gonna, we're not going to take a knee in solidarity. We're not going to walk. And I guarantee if we walked out of the press room, there'd be a hundred more people walking in wanting to do the job. Well, yeah, I was going to say <clears> if there's a mass walkout, uh, while I may support. There'd be a mass walk in, too. Right, right. <laughs> while I may support the sentiment, um, if we're actually in the briefing room, which we rarely are anymore. That's a bus station, uh, pal. You're going to say that it does look like it, <laughs> it on does. any given day. I'm going to get up from our assigned seat in the back row, and I'm going to move up front, and I'm just going to start firing questions. Amen. I, I figure you, you will have to drag out. me out of there. Right. I'm not walking out. The effect that a walkout, I mean, doesn't have any point, effect at all. It w- they would walk out at the same time. Sarah would close her binder. She would say something critical, maybe borderline and then we get snide. 30, yeah, well, no, no, not borderline. Well, I'm going to let you say this part. <laughs> yeah, right, no, that let, would be yeah. snarky. It would it would not be borderline snide. It would be smart-alecky and would be ill-tempered, and then they would go and tweet 30 times. And they'd roll right out the yeah. back door. We would walk out to our place, to our area, and they would walk through the blue door, and that would and be we're it. we're not on an equal playing and, field. And so they, what, they have the power. So, yes, we've made a point, but what have we achieved? Nothing. Other than Sarah walking out of the briefing room. Nothing. I, nothing. I, I maintain that it would be nothing. The yeah. idea is to just ask the question, get the information, mm-hmm. and let the president and let the, uh, them provide it and the public decide what it means. Yeah. And I can write a column and tell you what I think, or I can write news and tell you what I find. But at the end of the day, it really is on the audience to decide what this all means. And that's why we're there to provide that information. So to circle back to your question, I think probably on the whole, it is harder to be a reporter uh, today because press freedoms and, and you know, the, the, the general view of us, um, that, that's both declined over the last few years. The Obama administration were no friend to reporters either. No, And that, that gets lost because everybody's just focused on what's happening now. Um, so we've seen a slow decline, but then you've got other forces, kind of market forces, where local journalism is dying. These even medium-sized papers that were once, you know, really big forces in their communities, the staffs are shrinking. They're laying people off. Um, they're, you know, I opened a, 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 a paper in, um, in in the Allentown area Tuesday night uh, when I finally got a, a second to think and, and have a beer. And, you know, there's a lot of local sports in, in, in that area, and people care a lot about high school sports and, and, and youth sports and, and they get, you know, minor league baseball and stuff in that area. They try to cover the Phillies a little bit, you know, that kind of thing. The, the New York teams are right there. And the sports page would be a vehicle not only for that coverage, but importantly, 
for advertising. There'd be a ton of ads in the sports section. Brian, this thing was six page. There was no inner page. It I was know. just it was just six. Pa- four. It was four pages. Sorry, it was four yeah. pages. I write. I, I don't add, folks. Um, <laughs> so Coming up it next. was four pages, and the back cover. It was a half page. What we call a house ad. It was just promo- like buy a subscription to to whatever right. local paper. I, I, I apologize. I forget uh, which one it was. And there were house ads and huge photos on the inside because they've laid off the sports staff. Right, and that's in, in you're, yeah, you you nail it, and that's a a problem. I don't think this president. I think he's taking advantage of that. Sure. I don't think he you know created it. But let's what's your take it back to the White House for a minute. What's your favorite moment covering this White House? Oh man. Oh, what is my favorite moment? You know, Hakuma Matata is <laughs> right up there. That is one that is burned in in my mind for everything that it embodied um, about this president. There have been um, some of these impromptu days, uh, I'm sorry, chaotic days. They're all chaotic. Where we're ordered to the palm room doors and... Um, and, um, and, and the president's coming out in, in 15 minutes. And, oh, by the way, the staff learned about it 15 minutes ago. And you can see the techs still plugging in the podium and testing the mic in the Rose Garden <laughs> as we sprint out to get the best possible spot. Those are the days that, that stick out. Just those really... And your worst? Those really chaotic days. Wow. Because um, I've seen you pretty frustrated down there on a couple of occasions. And what's what was funny is one day I was getting ready to yell, what the fuck? And I think you did. <laughs> so I, You're welcome. Yeah, so thank you. You're welcome. I, yeah. I've seen you, and, and I know you share the frustration. We all have. We all have it. We all have it. Uh, some of us will, will let it show a little <laughs> more than others at times. Um, I'm, I'm speaking for a friend right now. Uh, no, it's, I'm, I'm fine. <coughs> I have I, no I, idea who that is. <laughs> I have had days where, where I've been very frustrated. Some of my worst days have been, um, and maybe not earlier in the administration, when we didn't quite understand that it really was just the boss's whim. And you're looking at it through this old prism of, okay, they could have announced this more orderly. Maybe they could have done a call this morning at nine, and then if he's gonna tweet that or say that, then we have the supporting information to go write our stories. Sometimes he decides something, get the press in here, or open this event, we'll do a pool spray, or I'll go out and talk, or I'll just tweet about it. And then as a reporter, you're trying to understand it. You're trying to explain how they got there, and you're going to the staff, and they're just not helpful, or they're just so damn dismissive that you're asking the question about how did the President of the United States get to this decision that's going to affect millions of people. Because they don't know. Right. This is what we didn't know. At the yeah. Time. Well, we, we suspected, but we didn't know. Yeah. That he had just decided. Yeah. There was no, you know, we didn't bring these three agencies in and and talk to Heritage and, and talk to this other outside group or this company that has done it and bring everybody in and then go through this process and then boom, the president announced it. We got ourselves a little uh, a little policy thing here. No, it's just his whims. It's just what he th- what he thinks in the minute. Now we know that, but early on, it was very frustrating dealing with that, and editors didn't understand it. 
they understood it even less, and that's not a criticism. No, they're they, distant. They're, they're not there. They're farther right. distant and than we are. And they're doing a million things back at the office, and they're asking you the right questions, building on what you've already asked. They, they were reporters. They know how this works. Um, so they're asking you, well, what about this? And, and, and this is going to affect this other thing. Did you ask about that? You're still trying to write a story, or you're trying to expand it, in our case, for the next day's paper. And you're just looking for the details on how they got to the damn spot that we're all standing in. And they still can't sometimes answer those questions. So those, were, those have been, those have been some of the frustrating days. Or when, when the president just contradicts where the whole train was moving for months. Or contradicts himself. Yeah, I mean, as the one driving the train, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And he, those have been have been. Uh, See, and that's why days. I think some of his support is wavering. I, I, I've covered a number of those rallies, and the one in Montoursville, I spoke to a guy who had a MAGA shirt on, a MAGA hat, big cherubic face, loved Trump. And he says, you know the problem with Donald Trump, don't you? And I go, <laughs> well, i got a book full. But yeah, he, he says he'll say one thing at breakfast, he'll say the opposite at lunch, and by dinner, he's tweeting out and denying either, and right. and so that's, that's absolutely true. And that and that's from supporters. Mm -hmm. And I know that's the frustration. To me, that's one of the biggest frustrating yeah. things. It's just I feel like we're constantly swimming through quicksand. We are. And he's trying to make it sound normal. There's we. I don't. I. I. I when I say there's no bottom, I don't mean that as uh, any policy or any stance the president has. You know that's that's. Yeah, we're not that's talking not politics. Job. There's just no bottom to, to the chaos and no bottom to how just completely unorganized they are. Um, but there's a reason the staff isn't organized, because every, A, every time they go to organize, the boss pivots left when they're planning to go right, or he just, he just blows the whole thing up, well, or he steps on what they're trying to do. <clears throat> I, I ran into a, a former administration official last week sitting right where you were, are now and he said look the, the problem is there's hardly anybody left mm -hmm. the, the the best and brightest have gone and he said the communication staff is horrible <clears throat> they're um, they're understaffed they're uneducated as to what it is that they're doing and so he says what do you expect how do you expect they're going to react so I think that's kind yeah. of a, a kind of a microcosm of that whole administration is it's it's kind of hard and the reason why, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you, because you're, you're one of the guys, you know, I turn out a weekly column, a podcast, maybe two columns a week. I'm, I'm churning out maybe four or 5,000 words tops. You're putting out three or four stories a day. Yeah. And it's tough <laughs> because you can't get the factual information that you need to turn your story. Isn't it? I mean, it, you tell it me. Is, it is hard. <clears throat> and as you say that, I felt, I mean, just kind of. Did, did I just overwhelm you? <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't. You know, you do feel, and I just felt, you know, pangs of professional guilt because you have to get the story out. And I've published stories feeling that I didn't have the full backstory, like I said earlier, you know, how they got to a decision. Just facts. Or just basic facts or something just doesn't quite feel right. Um, or doesn't feel complete, I guess is a better way to put it. You've got it right according to what was said, and then if there's any back and forth after. You've got it accurate, but, you know, it's not a full, it's not a full picture. I think I always feel like gotta, there's a, a you, you big gotta, question that's unanswered, always, right? Always, it, it always, always feels like, always, always. yeah, like you said, what caused this? Why is this going down? And you almost have to 
you have to get to a place where you know you're doing the best job you can under these very, uh, I'll be diplomatic, unique circumstances. Shitty. And I'll say shitty. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> there have been days yeah. where that word may have been used. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my personal pet peeve, you know it. Oh, here it goes. Go for it. <laughs> we may we may or may not know. We probably won't get one today yeah, at all. You know what it is. It's that goddamn lunch lid. <laughs> Every time they call a lunch lid, which in people that don't know, the lid, there's a different ways to use a lid. Like if you have a lunch lid, that means, all right, look, you got an hour. No, no news is going to happen in the White House for an hour. You, you got a shot to get something to eat. And that's all you really want as a reporter because you're stuck. And then as soon as they call a lunch lid, that's when they'll go, you know, press to the palm room doors or – Somebody to the sticks, and you know, and then you've got. There's new, <laughs> I know, I know the day never, you're thinking of. Yeah, the day you're thinking of. Um, they called a lunch lid. I had a meeting or or a radio hit uh, across town. I wasn't going to be able to stay all day at the White House. I'd worked there most of the day. Um, had finished up, you know, my print responsibilities for roll call um, that day. Had written some stories for rollcall.com. And um, <laughs> shameless plug. Yes. <laughs> and had moved. Rollcall.com. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and had moved across town when they called. Playboy.com. <laughs> Get them all in there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Go CQ.com. Yeah, CQ.com. Just ask the question.com. Playboy.com. We got them all. <laughs> our subscription service for policy professionals. There you go. Ooh. <laughs> you like that. So, so had raced across town because they called a lunch lid, thought I had. Um, Thought I had some time to at least get back in the land of Wi-Fi, magical Wi-Fi, in case I had to write a quick story um, before the meeting. Again, you forget the specifics on where I was going. And I'm in a cab, Brian. And I know you were standing in line to get lunch somewhere. Yes. And I look just checking Twitter. Um, yes, checking... I'll take another espresso, please. <laughs> <laughs> and some ice water. <laughs> we're, we're here at the St. Regis, so we'll give them a shameless plug while, uh, while we're shamelessly Absolutely. plugging people. They're great here. Go They're ahead. great. Yeah. Very, very so I'm in line. You're in a cab. And I just look at Twitter, and I see another reporter has tweeted that John Bolton is coming out to the sticks, the microphones outside uh, the West Wing lobby there, the North Portico, or not the North Portico, the West Wing Portico, and he's going to give a statement, I believe it was about Iran. Yes. And it's just, it, that's the kind of chaos, uh, and just the kind I of... I paid for that espresso, I dropped that espresso, I ran back to the White House. I wish I'd kept the espresso. I just remember, you know, I wasn't able to get to get the news machine fired up. I found the video on my phone. I pulled out my notebook and just started scribbling notes uh, when Ambassador Bolton began to speak. He, I, I think he took a, a small handful of questions. But yeah. It was mostly a statement. And, um, and he sneers a lot. That's <laughs> and I sent in, you know, I, I just sent in kind of a bare bones story. I wrote it on my phone. Because uh, I wasn't going to have time before before my appointment started, and I just sent in a short story on my phone, tried to update it after I was finished there the best I could. But that's an example of when when they do things so quickly and they don't give you any notice. Um, you know, they send Bolton out there, and I believe he wrote his own notes. I mean, he didn't read off notes. But Certainly you could tell sounded he had like thought yeah. about it. Um, I'm sure he had talked to the president a little bit, maybe before he went out there. Now we're thinking, <laughs> Who knows? Now, now we're thinking he didn't, <laughs> didn't because the president broke with him a day yeah. and a half later. Um, and Bolton came out and, and said very hawkish things toward Iran. 
So you're being kind. And, I, then, and then took two questions or three questions, didn't like the last one he got, said thank you, and walked back in. I don't know why he didn't like that question. So, I tried real hard <laughs> to make it nice. That <laughs> doesn't serve us well because we didn't, and they, they did, I don't believe they did a, a background call. With nope. a background call meaning they get an, a policy expert on the phone with us. To explain what the hell's going on. Right, and those are shorter and shorter, by the way. If you, if oh, you yeah, they're 10 minutes. They, they used like to be an to, hour. Right. Under the Obamas, they'd go over, over an, an hour. hour. Yeah. I, I remember Bush administration calls, because I covered national security. Yeah. Those calls would go on about an hour. I remember and a Clinton would, one that went on for two yeah, hours right. once, and I was like, holy crap, i got to get off the line. So more and more, uh, the Trump folks, you know, it's just shorter and shorter Q&As, and even a background It's briefing, government in the dark. It, 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 it starts to feel that way when you're on a background call, and you've cleared an hour for it, and everyone's got five questions, and they take four. Right. And then, okay, we got to go to a meeting. Part of that is a byproduct of they are still understaffed. So they probably did have a meeting to get to followed by a meeting to get to after that because they're all doing, they're all doing so much. Well, they're, and, you know, like Mick Mulvaney is wearing like three hats. Right. You know, we've got acting this and acting that. So we don't get to, to kind of drill down into the, the policy nitty gritty or ask about I'll say this with much. Iran, like, are you worried about how they're going to react? I think that they did a call eventually, but they cut it off after four or five questions. And so questions like, well, what if the Iranians do this? Or, or what if right. they have Hezbollah do that? We don't get to ask those kind of questions. State Department doesn't brief. DOD doesn't brief. So those questions really don't go get asked. Who loses in all that? I think everyone loses. I, I include the White House in that. I think they there lose, you go. too. Because the narrative then is just hawkish White House goes to brink of war with Iran. We've learned that's not the case because the boss doesn't want to go there. But for three, four, five Thank you. I I asked that question. Thank you, Brian. (laughs) Thank you, Brian. Um, But for four or five Playboy.com. A little shameless plug there. You can read more insightful comments like that on Playboy.com. Um, <laughs> Thank for, you. That's a good commercial. I like that. <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. Maybe I'm in the wrong business here. Yeah. Um, but for five days, the narrative was President Trump is is pressing possible war with Iran. He sees that coverage for four or five days. He broods. He sees behind the scenes. And then he breaks with his own national security advisor on probably right now, You, it's at least a top three foreign policy issue they're dealing with. But, probably number two some days maybe even number one to your point and i think that was the, an excellent point the white house loses out i remember and it's sam and i had this conversation helen and i had this conversation helen thomas once told me that you know there have been times she's and that's why i call the podcast just ask a question because she said just ask a question you may not get the answer you may not get any answer but then they can't deny that the issue has been brought up before them because the question's been asked. And what she said was she remembered many times when an administration would craft a policy or include a question that she asked because they had to take into account that facet right. to the, that hadn't been thought of before. Sure. So it's that it, it is combative. We are combative. Mm-hmm. We conflict with the government, mm-hmm. but it's a good thing ultimately for democracy. I think they miss that with us. And I, they definitely do. And I, and I think that's the most 
for me, that has to be the most frustrating thing about covering this administration. Just to think that I ask a question of you doesn't mean I oppose you. They think it's democracy if the president decides to do something because the president is got elected. 306 electoral votes and Hillary right. Clinton got 220-something. They think Lock that's... Mega, uh, make America great again. We, yeah. we, I finally heard that in person last week. Yeah, it was, that was the first was, time you'd heard that in person. A surreal moment in person. I've watched plenty of yeah. rallies, um, but that was the first time. That was, that That's was right. First, that, was that was your was first, first rally. rally. So How did you? What'd you think of that? Okay, I'm they, sorry. Go ahead. They think it's democracy. The president wants to do it because he was elected by the yeah. people under the electoral system, and he was smart enough to run an electoral strategy while Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, like they always do, ran an idea strategy in which people were only lukewarm about her and the ideas. Right. That's, that was the, the, the shrewdness of his campaign, what he and his oh, people I agree. realized. So they think it's democracy if he wants to send troops to the border because he was elected. They don't understand that also part of democracy is us asking about the Posse Comitatus Act and how are you going to deal with that requirement. It's a collaborative they effort. They have. No, the, um, they so, still can't pronounce so Posse Comitatus. That I, I heard it called Commie oh Posatatus. Oh I told you that. Oh boy, you did. <laughs> um, just another day at the White House. Yeah. But it, when, when, when they don't think about the other part of democracy, which is us asking questions, or even Republican lawmakers questioning them. They get offended by that, too. Um, they don't understand that, that it's, all of this is in this tricky soup, this stew that, that we call American democracy. It's loud. It's chaotic for a reason, because one is supposed to check the other. You get the sense over there that they don't believe they Decade. should be checked. Right. Um, they, are, they increasingly understand, I think more so with the courts, that the courts are at times going to slow or stop stuff. Uh, you and I have both been told, no one ever puts their name to this, we've both been told off the record when we bring up Congress something to the extent of, well, we don't worry too much about those guys. We, we, don't, we don't think about that a lot. And you can see it. Especially when you're up against it every day. I maintain they it. don't think about a lot, a lot. <laughs> I think they just... Right. But, and I just think they have no respect for Congress. I think that's a, that's a large part of it. I absolutely do. Um, a lot of that is, you know, Congress hasn't done a ton the last decade or so, especially major legislation. You know, they did a lot more late last year than people realize. I, I happened to write a story with a lot of data um, looking back over presidential votes and when they supported something. And, you know, they did a farm bill last year. They did an opioids bill last year. Uh, they got most of the spending bills done. It got loud at the end of the year because there were six or seven, including um, Homeland Security and the border wall that, got, that tied that up. But, you know, they did the other six spending bills, and he signed them. Uh, so they did more last year than, than on legislative than they have in a while. I don't think uh, I, I I don't think the president has messaged on that for a reason, because he well, wants yeah. to run. He wants to run, and we can maybe get into this if we have time. And you brought it up. They they want to run again as the under. You call it an underdog campaign. Yeah. I I I still think about how you know they portrayed uh, the president and his supporters kind of as victims of the system last yeah, time. Yeah, I think they, they like to be and we heard, either at war. Yeah. We heard a lot of that, and I would encourage your, uh, your listeners, if they have time, probably C-SPAN will have this on, on their website. Uh, the entire rally, listen to Donald Trump Jr. in Montersville last Monday night. He was the warm-up act. He spoke for longer than his father. He was more, um, he was more 
passionate than his father. And more lucid. More lucid. And he's running for something. I was going to say on point. Yeah. We both had the same thought about the same time standing in the same place. What's this guy running for? Yeah. Um, But I bring that up because Don – three-quarters of John, Don Jr.'s spiel, and I don't want to say spiel, his remarks, because he had thought about it. He, that wasn't a spiel. That was he a had shtick. thought yeah. about it yes. and gone over it. It was how the system and the, the you know now the deep state and, and House Democrats and, and uh, Bob Blue Mueller's and teams, um, it's at least, uh, you're the columnist in the group, I'll say it's at least painting this whole movement as a victim of something and we could you know uh, the the system has been a victim for you guys because the economy changed and, and no one cared clinton w and obama didn't do enough for you um and we're victims of this deep state deep state democratic conspiracy say that three times fast I deep don't state democratic theory i have had my coffee <laughs> <laughs> so well done that was that, that was only one though. that was that the was espresso only, deep but, state democratic theory <laughs> a conspiracy conspiracy i, right. uh, I got uh, one out Right. So you can see the emerging campaign themes here of everyone's always out to get us and they're out to get you to and get out there and vote and get everybody you know out there to vote. And that's not too far different from his 2016 preach either. It's not. It's not. It's 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 the same. It's I mean, he's playing variations on a theme from Paganini. I mean, he's it's but it has the same theme, but it's variation has to be. And I wrote about this. And thanks for the retweet. Uh, when I tweet sure. the story out, um, <laughs> that was a good story, by the way. They're not trying to prepare, at least not yet. At least not yet. I wrote just about the emerging pattern, the emerging thinking, the emerging picture. They're not trying to replace. They're not trying to have a backup in place. Say, if if the polling continues to look bad for the president in Wisconsin, for example, well, let's trade a Nevada or let's trade a North Carolina and let's just double down. We haven't seen that yet. Um, and they're not chasing. They're not we chasing could. me off. We could. We could. We could. They're not chasing me or anyone else off the premise that for now they think they can just put the band back together. Meaning the 2016 electoral map. They, you know, they're trying to get Wisconsin again. They're trying to get Michigan again. Right. Keep Pennsylvania. Keep <clears throat> Florida. And that's why the message has to be the same. Things haven't. Things because they think that's the only thing that will play. The they, message they, will, it's a proven there. winner. It's a proven Play winner. your top 40 hits. And again, back to the, back to the character study, this is, this is a Trump hallmark. If it worked on this deal in Brooklyn, it'll work on this deal in Miami. Yeah. And you I, run the same offense. He doesn't really change the <laughs> offense that much. It's an old-fashioned single-wing <laughs> formation, but he's running it. Two tight ends, <laughs> and they're and big right boys. Up the middle. And they're <laughs> big boys. <laughs> And you know he's gonna he's gonna chuck it he's and he's gonna chuck it downfield a couple of times, times right. a game to keep you honest. But for the most part, you're right. It's a power running game. Yeah, it is. It's just it's, it's right in your face. It, it's it, right in it your is, face. It is old school punch you in the mouth football. Smash mouth football. That's right. exactly what it is. And that's what they want. And you do. get it. And that's what the Democrats don't. <laughs> they've got a. They're playing a spread defense when they should have everybody in the box. And and I just I watch that. Well, I, look, I did want to close because we could do this all day long. But I, <laughs> we could. We could yeah, spread defense. We got to go. <laughs> got a little dip and duck there. Mm. But um, you wrote something the other day that I I, I loved, and it was um, the piece that tit for tat, quid pro quo, Pelosi, mm. and 
and uh, and Trump. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> all right, first of all, you nailed it because that was. <laughs> a team effort. Uh, my, my editor Jason Dick came up with the basic idea of we need to to we need to put all these insults down between the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States. Put it somewhere for readers and 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 historians and everyone to have. It was a great idea from Jason, and then I kind of picked up the the ball from there and, and formed it out. But hey, this is it's a team sport, and <laughs> and he was on. Jason was on point that day. And but what you all did with that piece, I think, highlighted really what's going on between those two better than anything else that I've read. Mm. And <clears throat> what was your, what's your impression coming away from? the Trump Pelosi interaction. Where do you think, do you think she knows what she's doing with him? Do you think she's playing him? I think Nancy Pelosi knows exactly who Donald Trump is and how to get under his skin. I think he knows that. I think I can't help himself. I suspect an educated, um, an educated theory here that the president both is clearly, clearly very agitated and gets frustrated with Nancy Pelosi. As a source put it to me, someone who's been watching this, worked on the Hill, worked in administrations, she just gets him. She knows how to get under his skin. Um, She knows how to play him, is how this source put it. And he knows that. And as this source also put, um, I said, so what is it, what is it? And he just said, John, Donald Trump has finally met his match. He trolls people. He stirs all this up. He can throw insults. Nancy Pelosi is from, she's from Baltimore. She's watched how, you know, elbow throwing politics has worked. Remember, she became speaker in what was very much a boys club. Yeah. She can throw elbows with the boys. All right. You know, another sports analogy. If it's, She's a middle linebacker. If it's game seven and you need a stop, oh, there you go. and you need a stop, Nancy's on the court with with with, with, with twenty point three seconds left. Yeah, there you go. Nancy's out there. She's tough, she, and like Trump, she enjoys the combat. She doesn't shy away from the contact. No, she doesn't. She initiates it. Oh yeah. And there are very few people in this town anymore who do that. Donald Trump is definitely one. And, and she's right there. She might be number two. She might be number one now as far as <laughs> effectiveness in doing that. So I, but he also needs Nancy Pelosi as a foil. Yes. So he has. He can't use the press all the time. <laughs> right. He, can't use he needs another foil. <laughs> right. And he's buddied up to Kim Jong-un and Putin. And, and is the natural foils he doesn't use. And we're not to the point where there's like, you know, it, we're not to the point where, for example, it's just. Uh, Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, and he can he can use those two gentlemen if they are if it comes down to them for the for the Democratic nomination. Um, so he needs another four, but he needs Nancy because you heard it in Montersville when he brought up Nancy or Pelosi or, or crying uh, Chuck Schumer as he calls him, the crowd erupts. They feel it. Um, I have they love it. I have um, someone in my hometown who has referred to Nancy Pelosi as that bitch they refer to and 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 same more than one person now that i think about it and but they referred to hillary clinton the same way so trump trump both needs pelosi as a foil so he has to engage her sometimes he even has to draw her out to get a reaction but also has to deal with the fact 
that she knows how to how, how to come back at it. She and she knows how to get the upper hand, and she has won some of these exchanges, I think. Oh, and I think the yeah. polling has has shown that since she became speaker. Do you think he wants? To, there was the supposition that he may want to be impeached, knowing he won't be convicted because the Senate won't convict mm-hmm. him, so he can play the victim and play the underdog. It is interesting you asked that question because uh, later today or tomorrow morning on RollCall.com, I will have a piece where I've asked some very smart people, old Washington, old poli- uh, uh, political And, and where's that again? Rollcall.com. There it yeah. is. Ding. <laughs> uh, we'll have a story up asking some very smart people who have been doing this a long time, who have been watching Donald Trump for four years now, some longer than that, folks who have been watching Nancy Pelosi even longer than that. And the that. conclusion? And House Democrats. The conclusion is um, most people think yes. Most people I've talked to so far, talked to a few more people today before I write the story, um, that that the president would very much like to, if not run on being impeached, run on Democrats at least trying. You know, say enough House Democrats think, um, conclude with Pelosi. That's a tough road to hoe for the Democrats, too, man. So maybe enough of them, maybe enough of them get to Pelosi and say, okay, we see that the the polling turns against them on impeachment. And they decide, um, so they never have a floor vote or something. Or or they shoot it down on the floor. Or they impeach him. Either one of those those outcomes, how that could play out, um, you know, folks believe that even if they just try to impeach him, even if they just have a few hearings about impeachment, whatever he can get toward impeachment, he wants to run on that. And, and they're that doing goes, that already. They're doing it. Yeah. But he really wants because because this is going to be a turnout election. I talked to um, uh, a state director with a very liberal organization. They're working hard in Pennsylvania and other fields, um, other battleground states. Uh, she's on the ground every day. And uh, when I asked her, is this going to be a turnout election, she said, you nailed it. This is going to be about which side can get more people out in the right places, like Pennsylvania. I think it'll be a watershed. I think this particular election will shape the United States. I think Reagan's election was a watershed moment and gave us Uh Donald Trump. Right. You can draw a line. Yeah. Sure. And I think this, this election will be a watershed election, which will determine where the United States goes for the next 40 years. I, mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that. And that's why the impeachment and issue, Trump views that as a big gift with a big bow on it because it would do exactly what we're talking about here. If he gets impeached by those you know, angry, corrupt, as he'll call them, House Democrats, they tried to, as he says now, they're trying to take down my presidency. He yeah. says what House Democrats are doing, and then impeachment would be building upon. Um, it, it, he calls it a coup. It's an attempted coup, as he calls it. So if he gets impeached, he would, he would feel justified to go out and fire up the base to try to drive up turnout in the right places again and saying they're trying. We don't do coups in the United States, and that's what Democrats are doing. So you got to vote, and you got to get your family out and your friends and your coworkers. Well, I and think, I think Pelosi's right about that. And, and, yeah, and, she And is. she knows— if she's forced into it, that that you're looking at a second term. And I, we'll close with this, but when you talk about a coup, I think the real coup occurred, that New York Times op-ed, anonymous op-ed, 
you may or may not have voted for Donald Trump, but when the anonymous op-ed writer writes, hey, there's adults in the White House, don't worry, we're taking care of things. I didn't vote for any of them. I don't know who it was, right. Kellyanne. But I, <laughs> Dan Coach. I, I mean, I don't know who wrote it. Well, back to your point. Speaking of unanswered questions, and speaking of questions that that could get asked in the 40th minute of a 45-minute briefing, if we still had them. Oh, by the way, Sarah, whatever happened for the search for the author of the anonymous op-ed saying just oh, yeah. what you described. Remember that? That was a, that, a that's thing. Not, right. You get you get through the news Gone. of the, you get through the news of the day in the briefing in the first half hour or so and then you get to questions like that. The president said someone in my administration is attempting a coup and we're going to find him. And I agree with him. Sure. And I, I, sure. I, I you may or may sure. not have voted for Trump, but you didn't vote for somebody who thinks that they're in charge. Right. That's not right. Right. And right. I agree with him on that. But So I, here's the thing where he has every right to find that person. Any employer has a right to find that person. Right. He's the head of the federal government, and that person is a, a federal employee. Okay. We're so assuming. Did, you, did <laughs> you find them? If you did, what happened? Were they terminated? Where are they now? Um, did they break Well, everybody's new? left, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. So. So, but that's a good example of things that, that, that you would the write cracks. down in your notebook on unanswered questions because yeah. we don't have briefings. Yeah. Well, listen, John, ma'am, got to do it again. But <laughs> that was, it was great so. fun. It was yes, great. thank you. This was awesome. This yeah. was fun. So the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time. I'm Brian Karam. Oh, and don't forget, go to rollcall.com and look for John Bennett's articles. Right.